This is the How to Become a Career Coach podcast, the largest podcast for up and coming career coaches in the world, and is dedicated to helping people that are in the early stages of becoming a career coach. I'm your host, Philip Mianko, and in this show, we bring practical advice based on real experiences, and we share actual stories of people that are current career coaches. So let's get started. Missing lunch is one of the things that unravels my day. Now, I know, maybe you don't see how that relates to becoming a career coach, but missing lunch and not doing those self-care activities can make your coaching sessions less effective and impact overall how you grow your business. Today, Rachel Fritz joins us to share how taking care of yourself really helps you grow your coaching business. And Rachel is a former healthcare executive and registered nurse who transitioned into life coaching, specializing specifically in the Enneagram. She shares her journey to discovering her true type, connecting all the dots in her own life, and how she implements what she's learned with her clients. Yeah, thank you for having me. If you can hear a dog in the background, I have a one-year-old puppy, so just ignore because this is life. <laughs> By the way, what is your one-year-old puppy's name? I don't think we clarified oh, yeah. that before we hit record. Yeah, her name is Roxy. Oh, yeah. Roxy. Yeah. What kind of dog is she? She's a Cavapoo, so King Charles Cavalier Poodle mix. She's a great dog, great temperament, but we have a barking problem right now, <laughs> so we're working on that. <laughs> she was like, I, it's the same, we are just hit, before we hit record, it's like, all right, the leaf blower is coming out, the dog's barking, like everybody knows that this is the perfect time to make noise right when we're recording podcasts, but switching gears, just for people who haven't heard of you or who are maybe meeting you for the first time, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I live in Indianapolis, Indiana in the Midwest, and I've lived here most of my life. I was a travel nurse once upon a time before I had kids, and so I actually lived in California and Chicago, a few other places. So, um, so that was a fun time in life for sure. But I spent uh, 17 years in healthcare. So I got out of college, went to um, school for nursing and worked at the bedside for a long time and then ignited this passion around leadership. I always knew I was going to do something like that, some sort of a leadership role. I just didn't know what it would look like. And so I um, got into leadership and then got my master's degree, kind of checked off all of the adult boxes that were <laughs> kind of sold. Uh-huh. And I ultimately got promoted to an executive role. And during that journey, I had my own just period of burnout. And I sought out a coach for myself just based on a mentor's request or a a suggestion. That coach really made a huge difference for me. She actually, I believe, got me promoted into the executive role because I learned to really thrive and I got out of that space of burnout. So I spent those 17 years there. I was thriving in this executive role and it just wasn't enough for me anymore. Mm. I knew I had this nudge to help other people, to help them reach their full potential too. Once you get there and you kind of get unstuck, you can't help but see all the people around you that are still stuck. So it was like, okay, these are my marching orders. I have to help these people too. So about a year and a half ago, I jumped out into my own coaching practice. The journey started about four years ago. So I always like to tell that to potential or people that want to be coaches or whatever that looks like, that it it doesn't happen as quickly as it seems on the outside. And it took me about four years to set everything up, get certified as a coach, and then ultimately, you know, be able to run the business. So that's me um, professionally. Personally, I have two kids. I have a seven-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter, and I've been married for 11 years this Saturday. Um, Happy anniversary. 
Yeah, thank you. So yeah, uh, yeah, we we miss traveling. That's our one thing we used to do a lot. I used to always talk about my favorite places to go, but we'll do it again. So I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. It's got it has to it has to open it back up again. But I think I heard on one of your other podcast interviews when I was doing research. It, does he operate as your assistant sometimes? My husband? I think I, I heard like he brings in like the printer paper and stuff like oh, that. Yes, that's a fun joke. He's going to love that if he hears it. So <laughs> his office when we, uh, he has his own office now. So he works outside of the house. But when we were both here, it just so happened that my office is in this kind of big space uh-huh. and there's doors that you can close and the printer's outside of those doors. So every time I print something, he would bring it in and say like, Mrs. Fritz, here's your documents you have printed. Can I get you a drink? You know, and that's so hilarious. it became a total joke. But yeah, that, that's funny. I love that you caught that. <laughs> I, I just heard that. And that was hilarious. I'm like, okay, I have that in my notes. I have to bring that up because especially now during working from home since that it, I think it matters a lot for people and how you're kind of designing your space, but thinking about that. But yeah. I think one of the biggest things is you mentioned is, is like checking off all the boxes and kind of getting to that point and going, hmm. I feel like I can be doing more. And I think so many of our listeners maybe have gotten to that point or they're at that point where they have gotten to a high level spot in their company and they know that they can be doing more and they see all these people who are stuck. And usually at that time, they have already started helping people like you mentioned in your journey. And it's usually just making that decision to become a coach and launch your own business. But What prompted you to start and run your own coaching business? Yeah, well, I didn't even know coaching was a real job. And so, you know, I was so ingrained in healthcare and it was like, you're a nurse and if you want to move into leadership and then you can be an executive in healthcare. And so I was just so ingrained in kind of that culture that I just really didn't know what coaching really even was. I think the inspiration was just my own experience. Mm -hmm. So getting myself out of this autopilot kind of just, I knew something was missing, but I didn't know what it was. I think just getting more clarity on who I am and becoming more self-aware, I think I couldn't turn it off then. I couldn't stop reading books from a personal and professional development standpoint, watching pod or listening to podcasts, watching TED Talks. You know, I mean, I was like obsessed. Like I wasn't Mm -hmm. doing my day job because I was so busy, (laughs) you know, learning all these things that I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what the world needs. Oh my gosh, this is what we need, you know? Uh And so just learning, I think, and constantly I'm still doing that, still constantly learning and trying to figure out how to best support my clients. But I think it was my own experience that really was the driver. And then Mm -hmm. going through coach training, it was like, okay, so I I didn't know if I was going to do this full time. I thought maybe it would be a side hustle for a while. Maybe it's something I do, you know, here and there with the right clients. I knew then that it was time for me to make the leap full time. Hmm. Well, you said a couple of things in there that I think are super important for our listeners is that I often talk about it in these podcast episodes. It's the importance that coaches need coaches themselves because it helps you get out of, outside of your head. But also from a training and certification aspect is that if you're wanting to become better, if you're, want, if you're already inclined to really get into these types of things, and usually that's in my mind, a strong indication that, hey, how can we dive in even more and learn more of those strengths, those skills, but kind of be a way to early test it out and go, could we actually make this into a full-time type of role too? 
Yeah. No, I mean, I always suggest that clients, you know, dip their toes in the water, make sure that it is something they really like. You know, things can look and sound really sexy on the outside (laughs) until you get in them. There are things about running my own business that I don't care for, but I've learned to outsource a lot of those things. Oh, what are some of those things? Do the coaching. So I hate accounting. I hate anything with like, like my accountant says, reconcile your accounts. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't even know what that means. I don't (laughs) So I actually do know what it means if I can play really dumb when I don't want to. (laughs) So I outsource that. I outsource some social media stuff because I just don't want to be on social media all the time. You know, so there's lots of ways that you can focus in on your gifts and Mm. bring those to the business, but then have other people do those things that they actually enjoy. So like using their unique gifts and talents in the business to kind of help you out. So, and that's just a strategy to combat my own burnout in running a small business too. So... I think that's such an important concept. So kind of to go back a little bit, when did you know it was the right time to make the leap from your full-time full-time position in healthcare and getting really up there in, in leadership, but making that transition to entrepreneurship and running your own small business? What did that look like? Yeah. So I was in conflict for about a year, to be honest. So I just kept going back and forth. And when I'd slowly kind of pitch it to people, my husband, my mom, I would kind of see the concern on their face. You know, it would be like, I could feel their fear for me Mm -hmm. to think of doing this kind of big thing. I had to get past that. I had to get past the point that I was never going to be completely unafraid or have everything figured out and be completely certain. I just had to do it afraid. So I finally got to the place. I'm like, I just have to I have to try this thing because I just, I can't live my life knowing that maybe I had something else to give or wasn't reaching my full potential and I just don't want to be status quo. So, you know, I mean, I think that was it, but it was about a year going back and forth. There's actually a recorded coaching call from the coach training that I went through where I was talking about this. So we had to practice coaching other people and I happened to be the client. Uh And we were talking about whether or not I should leave this other full-time job that I'd worked so hard to get to, or if I should, you know, start my own business. So yeah, it was just, it was interesting. After the call, they stopped the recording and said, Rachel, go back and listen to that. You have your answer. And I went back and listened to it. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is clear as day. I mean, if that was (laughs) my client, I would be like, hello, you know what you need to do. Go do it. Like yeah. So, I mean, there were just all these signs, but I was in conflict for about a year back and forth, back and forth. Oh, should I do this? And it was kind of like this mental conflict within me. I didn't talk about it a lot with other people. And mm-hmm. so, and I just had to get over the judgment because there are going to be people that judge or think it's a, a crazy decision. I personally did not experience that. I don't know if it's the people I surround myself with, but I actually, I, I found a lot of encouragement. Um, a lot of people coming to me saying, I think this is so brave what you're doing. And mm-hmm. I didn't see it that way at first. I do now. But I thought that was really great to be surrounded by people that were very supportive too. I want to come back and touch on on that because I think for many times when people are launching any business or going through any type of change, we specifically focus on careers, but really you can apply it to any change and or opening up a business, having that support of people around you is greatly impactful to your success. But kind of before we get to that point, just because I'm curious and for our, a, lot of, a lot of our listeners, that year period when you were in conflict, Brene Brown talks about the mind gremlins and the things they say mm-hmm. to you. What were some of those mind gremlins saying and how did you overcome what they were saying? Yeah. That's a great question because yes, I had lots of those little gremlins running around. Some of them are like, who do you think you are? Mm. Like, why, why do you think you would be able to run a business? 
you're a nurse. Like you went to nursing school. You don't know anything about running a business. So there was a lot of that. Who do you think you are? I'm not ready yet. I just need to, I need another certification. If I get another certification, then I'll be ready. Then I'll be credible, you know? And so, or, you know, I think all of those kind of, I'm not enough, all the self-worth type of things because I hadn't proved myself yet. And so in my day job at the time, I proved myself. So, you know, it was like, I can come up with all sorts of evidence in my brain to tell me that I deserve to be here. I didn't have any evidence yet. So now I do a year and a half in. And so that's helpful too when I catch myself getting or letting those gremlins kind of come back out because they still do. I don't know a business owner that doesn't have some of those moments for Mm -hmm. sure throughout their whole career. I just don't think, I don't think it ever really goes away completely. I don't think that one goes away. But one of the biggest things I see happen so often at, at the beginning for new coaches is I heard somebody say this recently, who am I to tell people what to do with their lives? Or like, yeah, it's the, I'm not ready enough, or hey, I need to go get another certification. I need to go, I'm not qualified enough. And so usually all those times, it just comes back to the, I'm not enough. I'm not ready to do these types of things. And it's always from a position where it comes from like a scarcity type of mindset. And it's really more about, yeah, sure. You're starting it at, this point, but if you're ultimately looking to go and help those people that most likely you've already been doing for years and years or months and months, whatever that might be in your case, you just have to take one step forward because everyone starts off someplace. We're all learners to some aspect, and this is a whole new skill. So if you're already taking yourself out of it, you've kind of waiting for you to be ready. Hint, you'll never be ready. There won't be a point like, yep, uh, we're good to go. There might be some indications like that or like, you're checking off boxes. There's going to be more safe times than you ultimately know. But it always is kind of scary when you make that jump. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, yeah, you're never ready. It's like becoming a parent. Like, you know, people say that <laughs> oh. when you become a parent, like, just do it when you're ready. And it's like, you're never ready. You don't really know what this is going to be like. Yeah, I think it goes back to the, like, you just have to do it a little afraid. And it can actually, I mean, I think the fear can kind of drive you in a positive way if you let it. So, Mm. you know, I mean, I think it can kind of be the igniter of like, okay, well, I'm afraid, but I'm going to be brave and do this thing. So I think Mm. it can shift into being brave and kind of get you out of that fear, worst case scenario thinking. Yeah. I often talk about um, with some of my clients who are looking to start a business, but even do new and scary things. And Tim Ferriss has a wonderful TED Talk. We were talking about TED Talks about fear setting. And for me, when I was starting my coaching business, I call it the hobo on the street mentality that I thought I'm going to start my business. And then one thing led to another, and then I'm going to be a hobo on the street. And then I'd be like, Hey, does anybody want career coaching service as a hobo on the street? <laughs> and, but then I was like looking at it and I remember going through an exercise and even that's what Tim Ferriss does in, in this, in this Ted talk is like, okay, let's do worst case scenario. Let's go. All right. Let's think of the worst thing that could happen in your entire life right now. How would you get out of that? What would it really look like? What are the steps you would take? If somebody, if one of your clients was here, what would you tell them to do? And so I was mentally like going through, I'm like, okay, this is what I probably do. I do this, 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 and this. Okay, I've been here before. I can do those things. I can figure that that spot out. And it always comes back to that mindset of, I think you're totally right, of being brave because there's always going to be more of those uncertainty types of points. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I do a training with a friend here locally on resilience. And that's one of our exercises we have people do. So And it's in a healthcare organization. So create the worst case scenario that might actually happen in your department or your specific area. And it does seem to kind of, because they come up with a plan, it kind of seems to like ease that fear because now they've imagined it and they came up with a plan that could get them out of it. 
So Mm -hmm. that's just interesting, I think, for us to think about because we want to stay positive. I'm like positivity is one of my strengths on StrengthsFinder, but I also want to be realistic. Some of those fears are given to us for a reason because we should be afraid. So (laughs) paying attention to those, I think, are good. So you just mentioned strength finders, and I wanted to ask you this question because you use Enneagram a lot and, or at least from what we chatted about before and doing some research, I wanted to ask why specifically Enneagram and what do you find it does for yourself as a coach, but also for your business? Yeah, that's a great question. So it just helps me cheat, to be honest. So (laughs) I get to know so much about how a person views the world. I can typically tell you a handful of limiting beliefs they probably carry based on their type. The Enneagram is so unique because it's not static, which is what I love about it. So it's so dynamic. Yes, you get this number that you kind of default to. It's your primary number, but then you look a little different in stress. And so you kind of look like a different number in stress. You don't change your number, but you look like a different number in stress. Mm -hmm. You look like a different number in growth. You have wings, which are numbers on the either, either side of the number that you can tap into intentionally and be able to grow. So the reason why I love it is because I think it's such a growth-minded tool. It's mm-hmm. all about growth and kind of figuring out this, this kind of path towards growth. It teaches you what healthy looks like within your type. So you and I could be the exact same type, but if I show up healthy and you show up unhealthy or even average, we're going to look very different. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, like a lot of people say, I want to be the best version of myself, but I didn't really have a definition of that. That's pretty broad to say, I want to be the best version of myself. What, What does that even look like? And with the Enneagram, you actually have that. So you get to see what you would look like in health and where you can be. And so I think that just brings a lot of hope. It makes it more specific to me. And it's not just this like, you know, throwing out this term of being the best version of yourself. Clients love it. I mean, most of my clients cry on the first session, to be honest, because it's just so emotional to hear some of these things. It is not, StrengthsFinder is definitely one that's, that kind of, you know, is very positive. So it talks about, you know, all the great things about you. So it's like, Mm -hmm. yay, good job. These things are really like good things. (laughs) Go for it. Yeah, that's great. But the Enneagram, when you look at it, yes, there's some of that, but then there's an ugly side mm-hmm. of human beings. And I don't care who you are. We all have it. When people read some of that, it's like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have known this 10 years ago. It could have saved a relationship or, you know, I would have raised my kids differently or I would have led my team differently. So that's what I love about it. I do some work with teams and that's super fun because mm-hmm. they're learning about each other as team members. And that can get really intense too, but people really enjoy it. I think we need more of that human to human connection in the workplace where people really see the other person's viewpoint, even though they don't agree with it, they see that they just view the world very differently than, than they do. I think that's important in the world we live in today. I 100% agree with that. And I think it's also to add and dive into that too, us as coaches also need to understand how our clients are viewing it too and viewing the world and their problems. And, you know, it's to be able to bring shared language to it, but to have them know that you as a coach really understand what's going on with them or how they've looked at those things or even stuff like that. Yes, it is very, it's very emotional. It also helps bring that trust in for very much on, on this podcast, we talk about, you know, the career aspect, but And very many cases, what I tell people is that really your career and your life are really the same thing. You've got one life. And so we focus on more of what do you really want in your life? And let's fit your career into that. And I think this tool, 100% right, it's layered, but it brings those dynamic pieces because 
we as people ultimately change through our lives. And so must our career, so much our lives around us, the best suit of the person we are looking to become. And ultimately, I feel like want to be. So it's just interesting because I was like, this is a really cool test. And I know for a lot of our listeners, or at least people who are in the early stages of coaching, they're like, okay, wait, do I do strength finders? Do I do this test? Do I do that test? When do I introduce it to them? Do we break down their list and like go through all those pieces? And usually what I tell them, it, it really depends on the types of people you're looking to help and looking to serve. And it's just a tool. So it's when do you want to best use that tool and how is it ultimately going to help your coaching? Yeah, I think it's a good point that these are all just tools. So they're just information. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to like be your entire business. I did not use the Enneagram at all in the first year of my business. So I knew of it. I had a pretty big aha through my own personal journey through the Enneagram, but that was not part of the coach training I went through. I was doing more traditional kind of life coaching tools. And so then when I kind of just, you know, I had was talking to somebody about the Enneagram, talking to a client and she was like, well, I want to do that with you. And I'm like, I, this light bulb went off and I'm like, why am I not doing this with everyone? I love it. I've created all this content around it. I have a 120 page guidebook that I created <laughs> to help people kind of walk through it, especially when they're doing it with teams. And so it just was one of those moments in business where you're like, what, what was I thinking? Like, how was I missing this? Mm-hmm. So that's been interesting that that did not, I mean, a year ago, year and a half ago, that was not part of the business. So it speaks to the fact that us as coaches, we are learning and evolving and often you're learning things from your clients as well. But you know, what's kind of thinking about that? We've put some nuggets in here, but what's one of the, like number one or like the top things you recommend to new coaches looking to become coaches or maybe even start their own business? Yeah. So I went through training with uh, Martha Beck. So she's a fairly known life coach and she always said, you have to live it to give it. And I always thought that was just an interesting way to say it. And at first I was kind of like, well, what the heck does that mean? And what she was really saying is you have to be sure that you are in a very healthy space emotionally, physically to support your client. So you have to live it out into the world so people see that and then they'll just come to you. And at first I was like, well, what a load of crap. Like, so I'm just going to get clients, like they're just going to knock on my door because they see what I'm doing. And she was right. So I mentioned that I was thriving before I left my, you know, corporate traditional career path Uh and people saw it. And so they were reaching out to me like crazy after I left saying, oh my gosh, I want you to be my coach and I want to refer you to so-and-so. It was absolutely true. So I really think that coaches have to live it to give it. I think coaches need to have their own coaches. I still have my own coach. We touched on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. But if you have a coach that doesn't have a coach, I would run the other way. That's my personal Mm -hmm. opinion. And then the other thing is do a lot of networking. So I did tons of networking a few years before I even jumped out. So I started just looking on LinkedIn, who locally is doing something similar to what I want to do. Maybe they have some unique little niche that I don't have. And so then I can have those people in my back pocket and refer them to other people and vice versa. And so I started doing that. And I mean, outside of even whether or not it impacted business, it did for sure. It was just such a great opportunity to create this new network of people that get it. Like they get what I'm doing. The, the people I left from the 17 year healthcare career didn't get it because they don't, they don't run their own businesses. They didn't have this desire to do this coaching thing. So I would say those are probably the three recommendations. Like make sure you have a strong network when you do jump out um, full time and you have to continuously nurture those relationships. So 
that's been something with COVID that I've kind of let fall off. And a friend of mine sent me a text message last week and he just said, Hey, I want to get back together and do our mastermind again. And I'm like, Oh, this is the perfect timing. He's so right. That's exactly what I need. And so, you know, I think those three things are probably my biggest recommendations. You can see me this is what happens when I have like multiple questions in my head, but I think that was definitely one of the mic drop moments I often talk about on this podcast, but that's definitely one of them because the live it to give it is such a huge concept too. Many people are getting into coaching to kind of go through and solve their own things, but you don't want to work with a coach who's trying to figure out their own career or their, their own life at the same, same time to, to those aspects. This coaching is very much a, a business of trust and super personal. So they have to trust that you're going to get them the results because either you've gotten those results yourself or you've helped people get those. But I want to go back to the networking part. It kind of ties into the other thing about keeping the people in your life also having kind of that team around you too. So can you walk us through like, how did you have those conversations when you're reaching out to the coaches in the beginning? Were you just like going, hey, you're a coach. I'm interested in be coaching. How did that look? Yeah. So this may be different in different parts of the country. I live in the Midwest. So I always say we're Midwest nice. You know, we can talk behind your back too, but (laughs) but we're typically pretty nice, open, friendly people. And so I didn't have a single person that I reached out to on LinkedIn. I I should count them someday. I bet I reached out to a hundred people. I bet I'm in a hundred people over a couple of years, just doing kind of similar work to me. Some of them were public speakers. And I'm like, I'm kind of interested in doing a little public speaking. What does that look like? And so I just met people for coffee, no real agenda, just getting to know each other. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's a cultural thing for us in the Midwest, but I mean, nobody said no. And they were all great connections that I still have some connection to today. So I just think it's a genuine reach out, you know, kind of say I'm interested in this coaching thing, curious if maybe you could help mentor or guide me through what that might look like. It's funny because I feel like in no other industry is it better suited for than coaching because it's like coaches like to coach other people. They're like, yeah. Of course, I'll talk to you about this because this is what I love to talk about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I had some people where it was like, oh, my gosh, they're totally coaching me right now. I know what they're (laughs) doing. (laughs) But it was great. I mean, it was like it was all great guidance, but it helped me get a lot of clarity on my own business because they were talking about things they had done or things they were doing. And it would spark something in me to think, oh, my gosh, yeah, I should do that, too. Or just have it look a little bit different, but but do something similar to that because I really like that. I think that's a great idea. And most coaches really truly want other people to succeed. That's why mm-hmm. we, do, you know, yeah. so they're not like I always say like I'm all about collaboration over competition. So I think that's another thing that kind of just like you get clients to come your way when they see you supporting other people as well, and not just it's not just all about business and clients and money. You know, I really do this to help people, and that means all people. I have. To reiterate what you said, I totally believe, but I found the coaching community to be extremely gracious and super supportive. And it's really, really interesting because I think on the outside, we, or at least I, the way I thought about it is like, there's so many people out there, they're being super competitive. They probably have different methods. They go, mine's better than that one or blah, blah, blah. But so many people are really willing to share or super helpful to, to reach out and want to help. But it's just that midpoint for most people, which I think is something that you've done very well, but did that over years is just reach out and connect. Because most of the time you're going to get, maybe it's a Midwest thing. I'm also a Midwesterner from Ohio, but I think it's mostly time just reaching out and asking for help. And, and there's no better community to do that with than coaches. But um, one of the things that I know we chatted about before we hit record, but some in one of our conversations was that you mentioned, you know what, Phil, I don't really have that much trouble getting clients. And so what I wanted to ask a little bit more of is like, hey, 
So that's not some, one of the biggest fears that I hear our listeners come and go, oh my gosh, I'm going to get in this business and then I'm not going to find any clients. And it's going to just like go, go back to the hobo on the street. So I want to ask a little bit about that of what are some advice or mindset pieces, wherever that might be in, on like getting clients or what have you found that's been really helpful for you? Yeah. So I would say just be very authentic. I know that sounds cliche, but I think people like sniff out when you're trying to sell them something. So I really just tell my own personal story to people when I have a potential client and they hear so much of themselves in my story with burnout and, you know, driving into work, hoping to get in a car accident so I could have a break. I mean, those are the things that were going on for me. And I coach a lot of people mid-career that are in that same space. So when I say that, it's like, that's an immediate pain point for them. And I don't say it to create pain, but you know, it's like, like they, they get it. They're like, oh my gosh, yes, I'm there. And I don't want to be here. I don't like this feeling. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just the authenticity. I like it. The live it to give it, I think is huge. When people see me thriving, they're like, I want what she has. So, and how is she doing that? And then I also just think we got to take good care of our clients. So when we take good care of our clients, that's how we get referrals and you know, all these things things happen. And I do that because it's the right thing, but Mm -hmm. it just kind of is like a karma thing to me in a little, in a lot of ways. So it's hard to explain. There's no formula that has made me successful, (laughs) but I do think that it's, it's probably the authenticity and that living it to give it like people just have to see it. And then when they see it, they want it. So Mm -hmm. they usually, I find in those cases is if you're able to speak or speak a lot to the fears that they might have. Most of the time for what I find for new coaches is that they're usually working with people who are similar to them or have gone through something that they have. So sharing that personal story is you get into the shared language or you get into those like, oh my gosh, I felt that exact same type of thing before. And that helps out so much in kind of building that trust along the way. But it goes back again to that thing you said before about live it until you can give it because... (laughs) If you're working with a coach and they're just trying to push you on something or to sell you into a package or those things that just don't feel as good, it's more about connecting with that person, building that relationship and ultimately cultivating that and treating them well over time because we're people, they're people, and that's what we're looking to do is help them. Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, like I always tell clients or potential clients too that I don't like I don't tell people what to do. So I think there's kind of a little bit of a myth around coaching. Like, well, yeah, like like you said earlier, you know, who am I to tell people what to do? Mm -hmm. I don't tell people what to do. I have no idea what they should do. What I help them do is to quiet the noise around them so they can actually hear themselves telling them what to do because they Uh know. Like we all know what to do. We just have so much noise and so much head trash and all these things that get in our way. So that's what I do. So it's, yeah, I'm like, I have no idea what anybody should do. Half the time, I don't know what I should do. (laughs) Um, So, you know, like I'm still figuring that out, but I think that's a big thing with coaching too. And there are coaches hundred percent that get more in the mentor space and and do mentor and guide and and give guidance. And I do some of that too, Mm -hmm. but really my goal is to get people back to trusting themselves and to even listening to themselves instead of always being so much in their head, you know? So we always like want to analyze everything and maybe we need to listen to our hearts. Maybe we need to listen to our guts a little bit more. Mm, I love that. I love that. So kind of shifting gears, our listeners know this is my, become my favorite question now. For you, what was one of the biggest challenges in opening up your own coaching business? Or another way to ask that is what are some of the biggest sacrifices or trade-offs that you had to make in starting your own coaching business? Yeah. Well, for my family in particular, we are two small business owners. So my husband jumped out about a year before I did. Uh And so you have all these logistics like insurance and, you know, so that was kind of a big hurdle for us and we figured it out and there, there are options out there for sure. 
But that was one of the kind of more tactical things that was there. I think sometimes it's the confidence factor. When I'm, when I'm really confident, I can rock my business all day long. But I get one piece of feedback from a speaking gig I did that was not great. But 120 people said it was. But the one guy in the front, which I know which one it is, said, this was horrible. What, what is this? And then I, I can go down that rabbit hole really quickly to, you know, kind of focus in on that negative or focus in on that one bad review. And then I get into my head around, you know, oh my gosh, who am I to be doing this? And I have no business being here, you know? So I think for me, it's like the confidence level that is definitely a driver for how successful I am. And I've had ebbs and flows in business with confidence. So I probably don't sound like that right now. But I certainly have had those. So I think that's been a hard one. Like I jumped out, you know, and it was like the first month was so great. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the next month was like, oh my gosh, now I've got to start doing stuff and actually bringing in money. <laughs> and so it was, yeah, I mean, it, there's ebbs and flows for me personally with the level of confidence in running a business. I guess this is my own curiosity. So you mentioned like people from the last job you had, they didn't necessarily know the language, didn't know how it worked in running your own business. And so that was kind of the reaching out and networking with, with people who, who had. And I, myself, I come from a family of entrepreneurs and growing up in a family business. For you in that transition, do you think it also helped that your husband or have you been able to like leverage both of you guys in this relationship of like both being solo entrepreneurs? Has that been part of it? And if so, how so? Or like, has it been yeah. actually not help at all? Or yeah. No, that's, that's a great question. That has been uh, very helpful. I think we have both kind of utilized each other for different reasons. I think we also learned pretty quickly up front that we don't need to talk about our businesses all the time. <laughs> and so, you know, cause it like when you run your own business, you can be obsessed with it. I mean, uh-huh. it's, you can't turn it off. And so yep. then you're just constantly talking. And then sometimes I would, you know, he would make a suggestion and I'm like, Oh, he thinks I'm not doing that already. I was already doing that. What, what's he trying to say? I shouldn't be running my own business. <laughs> You know, like, so there were also some downsides to us both being entrepreneurs, but definitely I think it's helpful. Like we've shared back and forth some, um, you know, tools that we're both using that have worked really well for a small business. We both made referrals actually to, you know, clients that weren't the right fit for us. And then we referred them to each other, which is kind of interesting. So I did some work with the IT team around Enneagram and my husband does cybersecurity. And so it was like, well, that's a natural introduction, you know? So it's just, that's been pretty cool to see us come together as a team, I think around like running two small businesses and making sure our family is taken care of. I think that is so important. Thanks for letting me ask that question because I think that team aspect is really important as people become entrepreneurs running their own business. But I know for myself and kind of even coming and joining the Happen Your Career team, is that I could run my own business myself, but I knew that for me, I need the collaboration pieces or at least need the network pieces. And for me to be able to kind of talk things out, because things can sound really good inside of Philip's head, but the second he says them out, I'm gonna go, wait a second, that doesn't, that, that's not that great. I need it like, I just need those collaboration pieces or to be able like to verbally process a lot of the, those kinds of things. Yep. Same here. That was something I probably missed. Well, probably the most when I've left was that collaboration, having a team around me when I first left. But I found out really fast that there's tons of masterminds and things that I could join locally. And that's how I did a lot of networking there. And those are golden. Like I would suggest that to anybody to join some type of a group. There's lots of paid ones, but there's also lots of free ones that you can join just to Mm -hmm. kind of help support each other through business and bounce ideas 
off of other people. I'm with you too. I can come up with the best idea in my head and then I pitch it to somebody at lunch and they're like, what? I don't even understand how that would work. So yeah, I agree with you. I think we have to be very intentional about that because I can get easy to get like heads down in your business and not look outside to kind of give you some guidance for sure. So one of the things that I'm picking up so much from our conversation, but at least one of the biggest takeaways and goes back again to Martha, but that live it to give it is one of the biggest things that I'm taking from our conversation, but taking it from you. Because what I feel like the thing that you do very, very well is that concept is really making sure that you are taking care of yourself, of taking care of your family, taking care of everything else around you and be able then to also help and serve your clients. But in the same way too, of like going through and actually sharing your story, but more so of like what it actually takes and having that four-year time span, launching your business, having those conversations, going through those rumbles and reckonings yourself. I feel very much that when I think of people who really do that great work in our space, like now very much, I feel like you're doing that. And it just reminds me so much of that phrase of live it to give it. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing that. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that feedback. I hope that my clients would say that and they would agree with that too. There were a few moments in COVID I had to cancel a few appointments because I was like, I'm a mess. So oh, yeah. I cannot help you today. You will be counseling me. I This is not going to be good. We'll have to reschedule. So um, well, yeah, it always just being very honest with clients. If you're not in the right space, cancel the session and tell them exactly why so you can truly serve them. So mm-hmm. Yeah, that is exactly what it's like because there's some days where like, I can definitely do this. And other days you're like, I mean, I need a mental break and then just need to go for a hike today. That's but right. one of my last questions for you is the clean slate question. So going back to right at the beginning and the years before launching a business and everything like that, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently? Oh, wow. Well, I would have probably paid more attention So I would have been more of an observer, I think, of other people starting their own businesses and doing this whole business thing. Um, And with coaching too, just paying more attention. I think I missed a lot because I was so narrowly focused in healthcare and climbing the ladder and checking all the social boxes. Like we talked about, you know, I got the degrees, I had the family, I did the, you know, career thing. I wish I would have maybe paid more attention to the outside world. I was pretty nose down. And that's been a huge thing for me too, just getting out and seeing there's so many great people outside of the four walls of just one organization, you know, Mm -hmm. and being able to meet all those people. I think, I think I missed a lot. I think I missed a lot of what was going on in my community, what other people were doing that were just amazing in our city. And I missed it all because I was so like nose down. That is so important. It goes back to the networking part so much. And even more so the networking is building those relationships. But so much of this work is you are getting connected with others. And it speaks so much of really the importance of coaching. But I don't know, I feel like you got to take care of yourself a lot too. Like you can't, For for me personally, that means making sure I'm eating lunch. And if I haven't done that that day, then I am definitely not in a good space for coaching. So I love that aspect because it's opening up yourself to the world, but more so than just those four walls and really getting connected with a lot of those great individuals out there. Yeah, so, well, we, yeah we need human connection for sure. There's no way around it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why podcasts are so much fun. But I agree. on that note, how can people get in contact with you or how can people find out more about you? 
Sure. Yeah. The best place to go is probably my website. So rachelpritz.com. I also do a lot on LinkedIn. So connect with me on LinkedIn. I always love setting up quick little Zoom calls just to meet and greet with people. Whether or not there's anything that comes from it, totally fine. I just like the connection. If you're interested in Enneagram, I do a lot on Instagram. So my handle is at Indie Enneagram. If you want to follow me there. Yeah. But there's tons of ways to connect with me. Yeah. I would just love to set up calls with people and just get to, to meet some new folks. Perfect. Well, thank you again so much for coming on the podcast today, sharing your story. But, and you heard it here, folks. Again, I always tell people at the end of these podcasts or many, many times is that these are the exact opportunities to reach out and connect with other coaches. And you can hear how gracious this is. And from two people in the Midwest, I think we can attest that we'll probably answer back and jump on that conversation. So that's right. <laughs> thanks again for coming on the podcast, Rachel. And again, thanks for everybody for listening to the podcast episode today. And we will see you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. For more information, check out becomeacareercoach.com where you can find information on this podcast, our programs, books, and endless content on, well, how to become a career coach. Also, don't be shy. If you have any questions or kind words, we'd love to hear from you. And you can reach me directly at philip at happentoyourcareer.com. And that's Philip with two L's. So thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.